welcome to the Ultimate Supply Chain podcast. As the name suggests, this is a series where we'll explore a whole range of industry trends and issues relating to the supply chain subject, from digitalization, labor shortage and robotics, right across to innovation and e-commerce. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Louise Barber, Head of Global Marketing here at DHL Supply Chain. Today, I'm delighted to kick off our series with a topic that is rarely out of the headlines these days, it's a real concern and a talking point amongst global leaders at world summits and amongst generation members in almost every aspect of their lives, whether that's social, political or cultural. I am, of course, talking about ESG, and I'm so pleased to have Florence Nablot with me today, head of ESG here at DHL Supply Chain. Welcome, Florence. Welcome, Louis. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Can you kick off by giving us a brief introduction of your career here at DHL? Sure. Well, I've been uh, more than 25 years at DHL. I started uh, with DHL Express in France and uh, in in sales role. And I've been moving uh, through the uh, sales different kind of role with uh, global account management. Then I've been having a team. I've been living in uh, in different parts of the world. I've been uh, spending uh, five years in Brussels and then five years in Asia Pac in in Singapore and Shanghai. And then I came back and I have been then the uh, managing director for DHL Express uh, in France. And for the past five years, I've been now with DHL Supply Chain. And uh, since June, in charge of uh, ESG for, uh, for the division. So um, quite, uh, quite a journey within, within DHL. So you've obviously been in a number of different locations, Florence, and covered a number of roles whilst you've been in DHL. What changes have you seen in terms of our focus on ESG over that period? Well, I think the, the, the first thing that has changed, it's because um, the group has made a commitment to be uh, carbon neutral by 2050. And I think as a group with uh, more than 550,000 employees, we do really feel responsible and, uh, and having to act on, on our planet, but not only on our planet, on on, on our employees and the governance of it. So uh, this is really the biggest change that I've seen. We had our Go Green solution since 2007, but it was mainly on the mm-hmm. environment. So we now have really an act on the S and the G, which uh, we can talk further. So what are the S and G challenges that our customers are facing? Well, I think our customers have made commitment as well to the world, right? So. Uh, the uh, more than uh, 2,000 of them have signed the uh, SBT target, which is a science-based target, uh, uh, which we are signing mm-hmm. as well, which means that we are committing to, uh, to, to, to decarbonize, as I said, either by 2050, 2030, it depends on, on, on the industry you're in. So our customers are looking for suppliers and companies that can help them in their journey. So uh, the first thing that they are looking for Mm -hmm. is to make sure that you can offer the technologies that are going to be helping them to go down to zero carbon. But the second is as well to make sure that you as as a company to support them can provide transparency and, and really visibility of anything that you are going to be doing. Because I think this is something that we usually miss when we talk about E, S, and G. G is the governance, and that's really something that becomes much more visible for investors, employees, and, uh, and of course, uh, customers. 
Yeah, I guess what this is one of those rare subjects where um, we are both a provider and a participant um, in the outcome of something that is as universal as ESG. And one of the questions I was going to ask you that I think you've partially answered is all businesses are saying they're serious about sustainability, but how do we go about proving it? And I guess that's that that governance um, issue that you were just referencing there. Yeah, governance is is. Um... Governance is really about uh, providing visibility, providing data, demonstrating that you know your company is trusted, that you have uh, everything in place uh, to protect uh, data, for example, to protect against cyber attack. But not only that, I mean, under governance, you have as well something which is really important, which is human rights. And as we are a global company, we operate in many countries where we need to ensure that, you know, what we are doing for, for our employees is, is the right thing. So uh, this is uh, governance is really something that becomes more and more of, of, of a concern for our customers. And I think as a global company, we, we are lucky to say that, you know, we do have a code of conduct in place. And we do mm -hmm. ask as well our suppliers to go through this code of conduct and to sign it. And uh, if, if they don't, then we will make decisions because we cannot tolerate any deviation uh, for, for our suppliers, which is going to be really what customers are looking for. It's great to hear that we're doing that, Florence. Um, typically, how do our customers organize themselves around ESG? And, and I guess really what I'm asking is, do they have a Florence? Is there a focused ESG role with most of our customers these days? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we, we've seen uh, some new roles uh, appearing in our customers' organization. Uh, usually, uh, the, I mean, the, the most visible one for, for large companies is uh, um, the, the head of sustainability or the uh, a chief sustainability officer. Uh, usually they are either part of the board or they report to different functions, but uh, those roles are mm -hmm. becoming uh, much more visible in, in, in the large organization. I mean, they are really responsible to execute and implement the sustainability that their company have, have decided. Uh, and of course, they would, uh, for, for our business, they will work hand in hand with, uh, of course, supply chain, uh, because uh, usually it's about supply chain, but as well with, with HR, because they cover the S pillar, the social pillar. Mm. And uh, governance is either with finance or with, as well, with everything which has to do with legal. So uh, those roles are becoming more visible uh, in our customers' organization than what we could have seen, I would say, even... Uh, three years ago, for sure. So look, there's, that's a really visible investment um, for all of, for every organization that is working towards their ESG agenda there. Um, talking of investment, here's the tricky one. Who pays typically? Sustainability has to involve cost, of course it does. So who pays? Is it DHL? Is it the customer? Where, where does that investment sit typically? It's a very good point and, uh, and, and a tricky one, as you say. So um, we have, as a group, uh, we have decided to invest 7 billion uh, euros uh, by 2030. It's a huge, it's a huge investment. So, uh, but as we know, all of us, right, I mean, the technologies, I mean, they keep evolving. So the technology that I have today in uh, EV, uh, electric vans, uh, for example, or solar panel or 
um, anything is, is probably good today, but you already have uh, companies and startups working on, on new technologies. So hydrogen, for example, I mean, there's a lot of research on, on, on hydrogen, a lot of pilots, uh, but they may not only be uh, available by 2030. So I think, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not possible to think that, you know, we will only invest, we as a company will only invest. I mean, it's, I mean, usually, I mean, people do understand that you have to collaborate, you know, we have to work all together to actually really push and, and boost the technologies that are going to have an impact on, our, on, on the planet. Because it's not only the topic of Deutsche Post DHL, I think it's really the topic of our customers and the ones mm -hmm. who are really uh, serious, concerned, uh, acting on this uh, sustainability topic, I mean, do understand that it's, we have to we have to collaborate, we have to share those investments because it's just, uh, it's just too, much, too much going on. Sure, and, and look, you mentioned at the top of our conversation, Florence, that, that the E is probably the, the bit of ES and G that is most understood. So if we could move a little bit more towards the S and the G now, how can supply chain support the S part, the social agenda in ES and G? Well, I mean, you know, as I said, I mean, we, we, we are a large group. I mean, even within supply chain, we, you know, we have 150,000 employees. Um, there's a few things that we are doing. So the first thing is we do an employee uh, opinion survey every year in September. We had that in place now for quite, quite a huge number of years. Um, but we Good old EOS. <clears throat> yeah. And... Uh, and our target is to have a 80% score on employee engagement. So really, you know, we want to hear from each of our employees. We want them to tell us, you know, what they think, what have we done right? You know, what should we do differently? Is our company a great place to work? Is, is the facility designed for them to feel energized when they come to work? Do we have the right training? Uh, do we, you know, how do we compare to against uh, other companies? Would they recommend us uh, to work for? And so, so this is really what we want to hear from our employees. So we do that every year. We take it very seriously, and and we want we acting on it. So, uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing that we do as well, which which has to do uh, with health and safety. Uh, in supply chain, we operate. You know, we have sites. Uh, and in those sites, you know, it could be quite, uh, you have to be cautious, you know, you need to wear special equipment, you need to wear those boots, which are going to be protecting yourselves, uh, and uh, because you have forklift moving around. Uh, and what we are looking at is to reduce the uh, LTIFR to below 3.5 by 2025. Today, I mean, I, I can proudly say that as, as supply chain, uh, we are, we are much better than our competition. We probably have the best score uh, from the industry, but this is really something that we, we take very seriously. And uh, I can say as well that there's no board starting without looking at those scores, uh, which really say that this is something we, 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 we really care for. We care for our employees. We want to make sure they come into a safe environment. So LTIFR, which is lost time injury frequency rates, uh, we want this to be below to 3.1 by 2025. So, so what about diversity and inclusion, Florence? Where, where does that sit in the S pillar? It's a very important, um, a very important topic. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that we have been committing to is, is uh, 
you know, the, uh, the women in management. So today we are at 23 percent. We are in 2022. And now the commitment that we made is to be at 30 percent by 2025. Uh, still a bit of a journey, but uh, we do a lot because we do, uh, you know, identify the, uh, the talent that uh, uh, wants to grow with us. And we are, you know, looking at how we can actually support them in, uh, in growing and developing themselves to reach uh, the jobs where they would be in, in higher position. But the second thing that is, is really important as well is on, on diversity and, and inclusion is um, the campaign that we have launched uh, throughout you know, 2021, we had a campaign which is called I Am Diversity. And we did ask uh, um, as many of, of our employees to actually just uh, uh, be visible and, uh, and record themselves on a short video and explain you know, what, what means uh, a diversity for them. And I think this is really uh, how we can foster you know, this change in our culture and make sure that you know everybody can feel themselves when they come to our organization. So uh, that was really that was really a very critical, I would say, campaign that we launched last year in in twenty twenty one. It was super super powerful, wasn't it? I mean, you know, you just don't think every day about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes until a campaign like that forces you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. There were lots of colleagues um, that I came into contact with through that that campaign that, that I've known quite well and, and didn't know some of the aspects of their lives. It may have been holding them back or they may have been struggling with. It was, I mean, just brilliant. Um, lots we can do and continue to do around that, yeah. I think. So Florence, look, you talked a little bit about safety first, um, which is, as we know, a really critical element of all our operations and one that we perform really well in. So Florence, can you talk a little bit about our GoTeach program? Yeah, so GoTeach is part of our uh, corporate uh, social responsibility program, which uh, we launched uh, at pretty much at the same time as when we launched Go Green, I think in, in the late uh, 2010, something like that. So, and uh, GoTeach is actually, um, you know, we, we, we offer anybody in the countries uh, to support with their own initiative. So what what is close to their heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, GoTeach is really to help educating uh, communities who don't necessarily have access to it. So, uh, you know, and that really comes from, as I said, you know, the, the employees in, of that country, you know, feeling for what they feel the best is to uh, support education. I'm, I'm saying education, but it can be, you know, uh, providing books, uh, providing pens, uh, uh, spending some hours uh, with, um, you know, teenagers who uh, uh, don't really know what to do with their career plans. Uh, I've, I've been as well doing myself, you know, helping uh, so some, some young people who uh, have done their studies but um, don't know how to do a resume, for example. So those are the initiatives that are really, I think, are great because anybody can do it. You know, if, if, if you feel for it, uh, you can just uh, go and, and ask to your country. And the group is actually investing a lot in, in what we call CSR because it's 1% of our profit. And I think it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, how much that is because this is really initiative that any employee can take and, and do with, uh, with their own country and what they feel for. Yeah, it strikes me that the subject of ESG is one that very much impacts both the heads and the heart. 
you know, there are lots of rational reasons why we should get involved in the NES and G mm. program, but also these are emotional reasons that very much resonate with individuals as, re as well as, you know, as I said, world leaders and, um, and big business people. Um, ESG is something that affects us all, and everybody has a responsibility to play a part in in making positive changes there. And everybody has their own story and their own reason to get involved. So, so Florence, what should the supply chain industry as a whole be doing more of to support the ESG agenda? Well, I think I mean the first thing is, is really around uh, the E one, and, and and we know we don't want to talk only about the E one, but the one, the E one is is the most visible, I would say, and probably the most urgent to act on. So, uh, I think I think we need to make sure that we keep on challenging and and working on innovation and what are going to be the the new technologies that we we should actually test and uh, and implement. So, uh, you know, is it uh, as I mentioned, is it hydrogen? Uh, you know, is that biogas? It's about making sure that we get access uh, to all those technologies in every market because today it's 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 probably not the case. Uh, and uh, if we need to act, we need to act globally. So for me, that's one thing. The second thing, as well, for example, is packaging. Right? I mean, there's with with the rise of of e-commerce and on uh, and every everybody willing to receive you know their packages at home. Uh, we need to make sure that our packages are sustainable, reusable, and we need to have the logistics around that. So uh, that, for me, is as well a, a very big part of, of we can, what we can do and how we can support uh, our customers. And I think uh, when it comes to the other pillar on, on S, uh, for example, I think we, we need to make sure that we can give access to... Uh, to, to as many people to, uh, to join our company if they want. But another example of uh, what we've done in, in diversity uh, uh, is, uh, is in Brazil. Uh, DHL supply chain is now having uh, more than 100 women driving electric vans. And, uh, and this is really something that uh, we want to initiate in many other countries as we can, because it brings actually the diversity to more than 30 uh, percent. So, Florence, thank you so much for joining me today on this, the first of our Ultimate Supply Chain podcasts. And thank you, too, for tuning in. I hope you found this first edition useful. Don't forget to tune in for future editions on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your other favourite streaming platforms. And, of course, leave us any thoughts, comments, or ideas for future subjects that you'd like to be covered. Thanks again for tuning in. Stay safe and speak soon.